Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million parents and kids building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com ACAST. That's greenlight.com ACAST. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Wands of Business, Australia's only live streaming business and markets channel. Great to have your company live from our Barangaroo studios as we kick off the afternoon with the call. Uh, 10 stocks picked by you. I put them to two experts in one hour. So uh, it's a lot of fun and uh, also really informative. Great panel today. Ben Clark from TMS Capital. Ben, welcome back to the studio. It's good Crushy. to see you, mate. You Happy back. New Year, all that sort of stuff. Mark Gardner from Macro Capital joins us as well. There you go. Mark, good to see you. Yep. Um, bit to get through today. Uh, a lot to get through. In the first hour, half hour of the show, we're going to be covering uh, Marley Spoon, uh, Archer Materials, uh, Lithium Australia, Centuria Industrial uh, REIT, and also Nick Scarley. It'd uh, be fascinating to get the guys' view on Nick Scarley after their report uh, this morning. But we always kick off with the stock of the day, and I thought we'd uh, take a look uh, at a stock which uh, divides our panel always here on the call, <laughs> usually uh, based around their ESG filter that they have on their investing. Um, but I thought I'd take a look at Aristocrat Leisure. Uh, Playtech shareholders rejected overnight the $2.8 billion takeover proposal from Aristocrat. Uh, they received less than 55% of votes for the deal as Playtech confirmed it was open to other proposals. Uh, shares dipping slightly in this morning's trade. Uh, Aristocrat came up on uh, last year as uh, one of those um, quality stocks that you buy on a market dip. Um, so Ben, what's your view on on uh, the announcement yeah. uh, overnight and also aristocrat at these levels? Yeah, I mean, the, the announcement's disappointing, but I think the market have worked out that this was going to happen. Right. Um, effectively, a bunch of, I think, mainly sort of Chinese-based shareholders has worked their way onto the register. They've refused to communicate with aristocrat. They've yeah. refused to communicate with Playtech. So um, it... It th- made it very messy, didn't it? Very. <laughs> and, and Aristocrat, I think the frustration is they spent so much time looking at this business and yeah. it's dragged on even once they made the offer and they've done the capital raising already to fund it. So it sort of leaves them in a bit of a strange situation where they've now got net cash on the balance sheet. Um, I was on the, on the call this morning with the, with the CEO and um, you know he clearly was disappointed, but this company's had such a great track record of M&A. It's made yep. three acquisitions in the last five or six years. They've all been stellar. Um, so I'd back him not to feel like that cash is burning a hole in his pocket, which is probably the bit of a threat at the moment. Yep. The market loved this acquisition when it was announced. It was, um, you know, the share price took off. So it's disappointing, but, you know, it is what it is. And um, I'm sure the core business is still growing very strongly. And, um, you know, I, I think you can back this management team to spend that money wisely. Okay, so you've had a bit of a pullback. Would you be buying Aristocrat at 
41 bucks. Yep, definitely. It's one of our larger holdings. Um, I think this is one of the highest quality businesses on the exchange. It's also a company which is growing pretty rapidly, but it doesn't have that high PE that a lot of businesses in that space do have yeah. um, for whatever reason. So, and it's quite sticky, the revenue, because um, a lot of it's from the US and it's, a lot of it's recurring. Um, so, I, you know, it's got that reopening sort of part to it as well. So I, I right. think it's a buy. Okay. Mark? Yeah, I largely agree with Ben there. Um, overall, look, I think the, um, the key is not that cash not burning a hole in their pocket. I think that management needs to be disciplined overall in terms of um, where they're going to go next. They've said they're not going to return the capital to shareholders. So they're, they're, they're very much primed for another acquisition. Um, our research team actually looked into a few. This really wasn't the big fish uh, play tech anyway. So it's one that they mm. were, were looking at was Evolution uh, in the States as well. They've got many other options sort of lined up. Um, they do have that great track record there as well. Um, yeah, look, it, 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 is, it has dipped now. Um, I, I'm a buyer as well. It's one of our current recommendations, which we released right. uh, probably only a couple of weeks ago. Um, it's just such a solid business. I think 13 of the top 20 games in the world are all aristocrat technology. Um, there is a cycle upcoming um, where there, a lot of the machines in the US are um, getting cycled out and most of the uh, buyers are actually buying the premium instead of the, um, the, the sub-premium uh, machines, the, right. the poker machines or EGMs. Um, and obviously the foot traffic is going to help as well in Australia because they've got a, you know, that profit share um, sort of arrangement. So, yeah, yeah. look, it's... It's a good performer. It's re, you know it's a solid company. I think this is probably an opportunity. And, and, and the online gaming, they seem to be doing pretty well as well. Don't yeah. They? Look, and and you can't blame them. I mean, they're absolutely top of their field. I mean, they've got like I said, thirteen or fourteen of the top twenty games. I mean, they really do need to vertically um, vertically expand right. rather than try to squeeze the blood out of the stone. The final drops um, yeah. in for market dominance. They're, they're far better off going and. You know, using their uh, business acumen to try and corner another market, yep. I suppose. So, okay. um, so yeah. Look, as long as they don't get, you know, get too itchy with that money, and they and they pay too much for something, I think that uh, it's okay. definitely a buy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's aristocrat. Let's uh, get into the stocks that uh, you want us to take a look at. Um, uh, Lachlan wants a uh, view on a slightly smaller company than <laughs> aristocrat. Uh, Marley Spoon. Uh, Lachlan says. Uh, uh, a COVID winner, sure was it, was one of the darlings of the early lockdowns, was I? Mm. Clearly faced some headwinds since coming out, uh, but had a relatively strong um, Q4 result. Uh, ben, what's your view on Marley Spoon? It's come back a long way, has it? And Woolworths has sold down a bit of their stake. Sold out. Sold out of yeah. their stake as well. Yeah. I, it's one I've always been a bit, well, not a bit really wary of because I, yeah. I think it was just one of those massive right place at the right time when COVID hit. Everyone yeah. decided they're going to learn how to cork. Yeah. It's hard to get to a Woolies. A lot of stock was sold out anyway. So it just had that boom. But as we've seen with a lot of the COVID winners, they very rapidly became COVID losers. Right. Um, the, the recent quarterly, it's just come out. It's, I think it's the first time in quite a while they've actually hit their numbers. So. Right. I'm going to say a hold because the share price has been belted and um, and as I said, you know, they've hit the numbers, but, you know, so they're 24% revenue growth, the subscriber base is up 18% and the ARPU was growing, the revenue per user. So that's, they're all positives. Um, the negatives I could see within that cash flow statement were they actually burnt more cash last quarter than they did a year ago. And so you've got to wonder, 
Like, are they buying those customers? You know, that uh, loyalty bonus, right. you know, bonuses to get Making people Making a loss on. on new customers. Yeah, yeah so you sell the story of the subscriber growth, the revenue growth, but if you're spending money to get that revenue growth, that's not sustainable. Yeah. Um, and they burnt 5 million euro. They're a, a, a Netherlands, I think, based business. So 5 million euro in the last quarter. They've got 35 in the bank, so uh, right. 25 net. So, you know, there's enough cash there for a while. Um, the only other thing I'd say is, I think this is one where inflation is an issue. Um, we know that the price of beef and you know fish and everything's going up. Trying to pass that on to your um, customers is tricky, particularly when you don't want the quality of what they're getting to drop and then they can just go like that and cancel yeah. and you've got to buy another customer. So it's not one I'd buy, but I think with the share price where it is and the quarterly that's come out a whole. Yeah, if you've suffered through, <laughs> through yeah. the drop, Stick it can't get it. any worse than on that three-year chart, because I haven't been going five years, uh, listen, it, market's almost got down to that pre-pandemic level now, hasn't it, before it took off? Yeah, absolutely. Look, as, as Ben said, you know, right place, right time. Um, I think it was that, sort of it and Temple and Webster. Yes. The two big yeah, ones yeah, at the time. Absolutely. Um, yeah. But look, their, their customer acquisition costs were really disguised through by the COVID, um, you know, by the COVID uplift. So... I think it's sort of back to business as usual, pre-pandemic business as usual. Um, this would be an avoid for me overall. Yeah. Uh, I just think with the market volatility, the way it is at the moment, these are the sorts of companies you really don't need to be risking your capital on. Um, then that, that inflation um, for the food prices is really gonna hit them. Like with restaurants opening up and you can't be increasing prices when you're, yeah. you're, your major competition, which effectively is restaurants, uh, I, su- I suppose, or close enough to a restaurant, um, is reopening. Well, you know, you, if you start edging your prices up, yep. it's obviously going it's, it's to make you a less attractive product overall. Um, this thing was trading around what was around the 20 sort of cent mark um, pre-pandemic. So yep. that's, that's a long way from here. Um, yep. So at the moment, particularly with volatility, I mean, VIX was above 30 for most of the last week. This is something I'd just I'd very much steer clear Keep of away. for now. Okay. All right. Uh, Mark Shaw wants a view on Archer Materials. Now, this is a stock that uh, divides the Osbiers team, <laughs> let me tell you. Um, Mark says, after this week's quantum chip technology announcement, what do we think of it? Um, quantum technology is sort of all about faster speeds on computer chips and things like that. And, and quantum means um, needs a lot of air conditioning around it's up for the big supercomputers and Archer is trying to get that down to room temperature and they advise this week of a major technical feat um, uh, that their mobile chip could be run at room temperature apparently this is the big if I'm no quantum computing expert <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination this apparently is, uh, is is the goal that a lot of quantum computing is going to um, what do you think of Archer Materials, right? It's a bit of a core favourite, isn't it? Uh, Henry well, Jennings is kind of... Uh, yeah, he picked his... it as a stock that could change your life yes. uh, last year. And then, so. uh, and then it uh, immediately rallied to about $3.20 or something. So, <laughs> um, look, it's been a wild ride. I'd probably classify this as a trader's stock at the right. moment. Um, I think it's, it's worthwhile having you know, a speculative long-term hold, potentially. Um, that quantum computing, look, it's instead of it being uh, you know ones and zeros and binary quantum, obviously 
it's almost similar to the parallel thinking process that humans can do. So it can process yeah. you know, multiple things at multiple times as opposed to just yeah. trying to quicken the speed of just one process at a time. So the room temperature thing would be huge. Um, yeah, look, they're, they're very good at keeping the market updated. And so look, if you, as far as... <laughs> that's, that's not what the naysayers here on the Osbys team yeah. call it, Keep, <laughs> keeping the market informed. But, but I mean, they, look, every time the share price drops, good they, 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 there tends to be a, oh, we've had, a, we, we've a had some progress or some oh, breakthrough. Come and, on, you cynics. And then, look, so therefore, you know, from a trading uh, sort of perspective, you know, you're probably looking at buying speculative amounts around the dollar mark and hoping for a release and it shoots up to 142 like it did yesterday. I think it's already pulled back down to... Yeah. You know, 110, so you, you, that's, that's about the third time in recent memory or second or third time in recent memory it's done that. Um, you know, it is a stock that can go on a run. Um, so it's probably, probably worthwhile just trying to trade, trade that range and knowing that they, they're pretty consistent in giving some updates and um, okay. any progress is good for the share price because, it, look, it can go 20 or 30% of the day and then you're probably at least cutting half and holding your core position. But look, if it works, great. It, I mean, if it if it make, if it makes commercial sense and it, like they get it out to the public and everything everything works, I mean, this thing will go to ten bucks probably. But you know, it's you, so you'll have plenty of chance to get on them. But so at the moment, I wouldn't be allocating large chunks of the portfolio to it. That's for sure. All right, Ben. Yeah, kind of ditto. I I, I put a hold on it, but it's really me sitting on the fence. I, you know, I I just don't think any of us could have any idea like the, the technology will probably either prove to be worthless or worth a fortune um, and it's probably like a global player recognizing that they've got something significant that they need to in accelerate their project right. um, and coming in and buying it I suspect that's the um, that's that's the goal the cash burns impressive they're only burning half a million bucks a quarter and they've got 30 million bucks in the bank so they you know mm. that that's got a long way um, my dad's actually a quantum physicist, and he started oh. the at New South Wales Uni. He started the quantum computing project. Jeez, wow. yeah, and um, wow, what happened to you then? I'm only joking. Bottom fifteen percent in the state in physics, so it didn't pass on to me. That was for sure. But I do remember him sitting me down when I was thirteen, and I was trying to understand what he actually did for a job. And he said, you know, I'm. Tr- we think we can build a quantum computer. And I'm 43 now, and that project is still going. Right. <laughs> so, and it's seen as the leading one in the country yeah, at the moment. Yeah, yeah. So um, these things, they take a lot longer than you expect. Right. And that, that would be my thing. It's got a quarter of a billion dollar market cap. Yeah. It just, it, it's not going to take a year or two, you know. Right. And, and companies like So Google have you asked Dad about them? I haven't. Oh, no. Ben. But what am I asking? Get, can we... Next Get show. Ben's dad on the phone. <laughs> and fr- phone a friend. Yeah. yeah. Right. So I'll go a hold. Yeah. Oh, a hold. Oh, and it's are. a week hold. I've got uh, to say. A week hold. Yeah. Mark, you're a no one, aren't you? Oh, know, look, I, I'd, I'd be, I'd be happy to trade if you, if you'd like to day trade over. Okay. Yeah, you'd be, so it's a trading stock. It's a trading stock for, in, with a range of one, a dollar to a dollar forty. Okay. For us mere mortals, though, we don't usually, we're not very good. No, at No, investing wise, yeah, yeah. look, you might no. be, you might be a speculative buy, but okay. it's fingers crossed for a long time, as Ben right. says. Okay, um, <laughs> that would be good to get your dad's approval on this. I'll, I'll ask him to look at it. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. No, yeah, he, he do probably... that and report back. Okay, All right. I don't know how forthcoming he'll be, but I can ask. <laughs> <laughs> All right, something, well, hopefully a bit easier, maybe not. Uh, ben, Matt wants a view on Lithium Australia. 
Um, ben, uh, Matt says lithium and battery materials are going pretty good at the moment. The trend is showing good signs. Uh, and the RSI looks okay. Appreciate your thoughts. Company is working with the Australian Nuclear Science and Technology Organisation uh, to develop a technology known as LENA. And they refine stuff to, to get fairly high uh, purity lithium phosphate. This is a similar view for me. I'm going to go sell though on this one, um, mainly because lithium has just, you know, every lithium stock's gone berserk over the last 12 months and this right. has done absolutely nothing. So that would sort of, the price action sort of says to me there's something not there. I only had a, I'd never heard of this company. I had a quick look through it. Again, it, they're doing something technologically that they believe can help a lot of companies and miners and recyclers it looks like yeah and you've well, got to because they have work. a separate recycling division yeah which they've expanded that um in laverton in victoria but neometals does the same thing doesn't it and it's had a massive run yeah so to your point this one hasn't why not well it's you know, the market is normally pretty canny over the longer term. And, you know, you can see there the share price is trading below where it was five years ago. Yeah. It's still got a $120 million market cap, this company. It's burning $3 million a quarter. There's $12 million in cash on the balance sheet. There's no revenue coming in. So it, it really comes down to that technology and whether, you know, it is something which is truly unique and groundbreaking and will create revenue in time or are they continuing to sink money into projects which aren't going to be viable down the track? And the market right. sort of, in this case, is telling me that might be the case. Right. Um, so I'd, I'd go sell. Okay. Mark? Uh, look, yeah, I'd, I'd, been, uh, I'd be even a re reluctant holder in, uh, in many aspects. Um, look, this, obviously, Neo Metals has taken off. Um, I, as far as the business goes, um, it's not a, yeah I agree with Ben and you know if, if you're looking at the, ba if the balance sheets etc it um, you know it, you probably wouldn't own it uh, you'd probably sell it but um, from a thematic point of view obviously you know people start scratching around um, for other alternatives to neo metals or um, and look it's an election year as well um, and I think having a relationship with a government agency um, and by far and away the highest polling uh, issue for voters is going to be um, is the green credentials. Um, Scott Morrison obviously is committed to green hydrogen and things like that as well. I think, you know, the, uh, the wallet will come out from the government this year. So maybe they might, you know, they might be the recipients of grants, etc. Um, so look, it's, there, there's potential for this to go up, but, you know, it's, and it's a, it's a bit of a hot sector. So, I mean, yeah, look, if... if so, it, so you're saying people might look at Lithium Australia and go, Oh wow! Everyone's forgotten about it. It's got lithium in the name, and <laughs> and it's battery got re recycling, and it's got recycling. Well, it's and, and if look, and if cash flow is the problem, and because like I said, they're going to relationship with a government agency. Potentially, yeah. they they might be the recipient of some grants, etc., for either party to try and bolster their green credentials to, to win voters. So, um, I think that's going to be um, a lot of companies in that green space are going to you know. Uh, potentially be you know, benefactors of that sort of uh, behaviour this year, because yeah. um, I think that polling is significantly higher above any other issue for uh, for voters. So, look, it's 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 just, it would be a speculative buy, but if you if you're like a long term investor, um, the moment that uh, you know neo metals turns around or the elections finished, I, I'd be I'd be right. I'd be out of it pretty much. So spec buy at best. Just spec buy at best. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, we've had a 
pretty volatile uh, uh, up and down start to the call today with some <laughs> of the stocks. Let's get a bit boring, um, but delivering uh, the Centuria Industrial REIT. Benjamin wants a view um, on it. Uh, Benjamin says showing really solid performance with the transa- transition. Um, increased demand for warehouses and distribution centres. Occupancy rate at 99%. Whale of um, that's a um, weighted long-term leases that they have of their tenants in their warehouses. 8.8 years seems attractive. Metrics is this a buy? Uh, this was actually my uh, Osbiz Advent calendar uh, pick for the year. Right. So uh, this is one of our favourites at um, at Macro. Uh, so we got a Macro scoring system. I think eight and a half is the highest mark. This is about a 7.6 as it stands currently. Um, so look, as far, and particularly with these current market conditions, um, yeah, we really like Centuria. We've been a fan of this. We've had it for, we've had it for probably a year, I think. However, yeah. also we've done very well out of it. It yields fantastic. Um, you know, they've got great customers. I think they've got some of the Amazon business for distribution yes. warehouses. Even um, that industrial space is just going gangbusters at the moment. Yeah. Uh, I think usually you've had a recent dip. They had a cap raise, uh, so you've had a recent opportunity to get to get on, um, you know, in the in the three sixty, three seventy sort of area, and even as late, early, like recent as last week, I think they were, um, you know, below three eighty. So I think the four twenty level was um, sort of pulled it pulled back from. They've uh, they pay quarterly dividends, um, super solid businesses. Um, as the viewer said, they've they've got a 9.7 um, average lease um, or whale. Um, so, but in comparison to say Goodman Group, they're um, they've got slightly higher gearing, which may affect them uh, with higher interest rates. Uh, but they're they're more Australian based, obviously. So I don't think we'll, it'll be it'll worry them too much here. Um, but they're significantly higher yield than Goodman's as well. So right. we for some. You know, for so you prefer this to Goodman? Uh, at this point in time, yes. Right. So Goodman's a much more volatile stock. Um, when the market's a little bit flighty, we'd much prefer the safety of CIP. Yeah. Um, when the market's on a bull Goodman's run. Goodman's a bit sort of private equity feel too, isn't it? Yeah, they're, yeah. They're aggressive. Market though. on a bull run, Goodman seems to outperform pretty consistently. Right. We, do, we do quite often do some switches for clients in REITs. So a 390, would you be buying it? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Right. We're, okay. I've been buying it all week. So. Okay. Ben? Um, yeah, it, it does look good. I'll go a hold. Just the only question mark, I, I was actually speaking to a guy yesterday, he's the head of um, industrial out in Western Sydney, and he was like, it is just booming. Like, you literally cannot find a warehouse to rent. He's, he reckons the vacancy rate's 0%. Right. And he's been out there for 15 years doing that job. And um, But my only question mark is, is this as good as it gets? You know, like, we've got bond yields will start rising and they will have an impact for institutional investors on valuations. Um, And Goodman does have this plan to, um, which they're just starting to roll out, which is putting second levels on a lot of their warehouses. Um, You know, they're generally single level, but massive in size. Mm. So that should see some more capacity start to come to the market. But everyone needs them, you know, and and everyone's Mm. been caught short because the online thing just went berserk. And um, you need um, high quality warehousing close to major traffic arteries if you want to do that as low cost as possible. So I'll go a hold. It is trading at a discount to NTA as well, which is 420 on their last numbers. I couldn't fold it. Um, I think you'd be pretty happy owning this. Uh, Prefer it to Goodman? 
I prefer Goodman personally. Right. Yeah, okay. they, they, I mean, I'd go the other way just because the gearing is 31%, which is higher. Goodman, I think, is like five. So right. if there is a bit of a turn in valuations, which to be honest, I struggle to see in the next, in the short term, but in the medium term, maybe, you got to remember the gearing works on the upside, but it works on the downside as well. Yeah. Um, and I think Greg Goodman learnt during the GSC, he just like, yep. he'll never have more than 10% okay. debt yeah, to equity. That's 16, the Goodman gearing apparently. 16, yeah, right. Yeah. Um, uh, but you, as you say, booming out in Sydney's in, insane. west. Insane, yeah. And we did a cross on Sunrise the other day to um, oh, Federal Minister, I forget who it is, they, they all blur. Um, but um, <laughs> out, out of Badgeries Creek, yeah. Creek we're um, on a hill overlooking the, the new airport. Holy dooly, the amount of work they're doing yeah, out there, incredible. it is going to be massive. Yeah. And I don't think people realise how massive that whole precinct is going to be. Yeah, absolutely. And that Huge. will create you know, oh, an even area more. that trains, uh, planes can get into, yeah. even if it's freight and stuff. Yeah, you know, absolutely. It'll be, it's going to be big, yeah. All right, um, our fifth stock, um, this one from Holly. Um, wants a view on Nick Scarley. Holly, uh, very timely uh, that you've asked this. Of course, uh, it uh, posted um, an earnings uh, drop in first half earnings, 17% was announced today. Uh, talking about supply chain disruption, elevated freight costs, a slump in store traffic because of Omicron. Um, ben, what did you think of the, the report of Nick Scarley, along with Marley, Spoon, Temple and Webster, it was another darling of lockdowns. Absolutely. But retained that darling status yes. to an extent. And I, Well run business. Well run business. I, I, I thought this was a really good result. Um, you got to remember 55% um, of their stores were closed for two to three mm. months during that last half. And they still managed, um, you know, only to their, their net profit only fell 7% versus the PCPs. That's, mm. that's a pretty amazing effort. And as you said, the other big issue has been the supply chain stuff. So, you know, if you walk into a store and say, I love that couch, and they say it's going to be three months to get it to you, you no, might be fine. less likely to buy it. You know, you sort of think I might leave it. And that has been an issue for them. But I mean, Anthony Scully has just done such an incredible, he is an amazing operator. He's yep. a founder-led business. He's a very large shareholder personally. The PE is undemanding. It's trading on, you know, sort of 15 times FY23. Uh, there's a good, I, I saw this guy's, Today, uh, yesterday saying um, he reckons a, a, an acronym that'll be used through reporting se um, season is EBITDAC, which is EBITDA, so earnings before interest, tax, depreciation, amortization, and COVID. COVID. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the, the thing to be is trying to strip out all of the COVID issues and look at what this business looks like on a normalized yep. run rate. And I think you'll find that this business will look really good as okay. the store closures ease, the housing market is still strong, a lot of home improvements going on right. and a very good operator and hopefully supply chain starting to normalise. Okay. All right. So, bye. Bye. Um, because, Mark, the beauty of Nick Scarley is their business model is you can't buy anything off the floor. When you buy something, they then go and get it made for you. Mm. And so, okay, and then, so they have no stock on hand mm. uh, generally, but supply chain issues does bugger that model yeah. up more than most, does it? It sort of really works against it. Yeah, I, mean, I suppose, you know, you know, I have a Nick Scarley couch. I've, it's, it's lasted a long time. I've got yeah. plenty of kids at home as well, so they've trashed it. Um, <laughs> the, uh, but yeah, look, so I guess a lot of Nick Scarley customers 
would be, you know, they're used to having to wait anyway, I suppose. Yeah. As Ben said, it's, it's a wonderfully run business. We generally like founder-led businesses still, well, generally across the board. Um, there's a few, there's, you know, there's a few exceptions, but, um, you know, they, their earnings per share and dividend per share beat by roughly around about 20% on market expectations. So their sales were only down, um, like I think 6%, whereas foot traffic was down over 25. So wow. they're still, like when people are walking in, I suppose they're, you know, they're walking in with purpose. Um, and, you know, their same store sales were generally up for oh, about 5%. So they, and they beat on all metrics. So, and this is the sort of thing, you know, particularly with, when you've got these growth stocks uh, at the moment, uh, copping a bit of a hiding, uh, particularly in the US, um, that, that magic number of 2% for the benchmark 10-year yield where there's a big structural shift out of growth into value. This is, it's got a great track record. If it's, if it's managed to outperform during, um, during difficult times, then uh, you would have thought it's going to continue to do very well. So that's a bigger tick from you guys when, you know, everyone would, would look at this result and go, oh, gee, revenue down 17%. But it's been such a difficult business trading operation, you're saying, gee, it's, it's a tick for them that they can run the business during good and bad times. Absolutely, yeah. You want, right. you, 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 um, it's a, there's a margin of safety there. And yeah. obviously with an 18% pullback yeah. in, in, in very short period in the NASDAQ, like people are gonna be looking for that margin of safety in a stock. And yeah. they've beat the straight by 20 odd percent. Um, so everyone, everyone thought they were gonna do a lot worse. And like, and 4.6 odd percent dividend yield. Yeah. Um, you, you're pretty, pretty. It's still above the 200-day moving average as well. Rarely touches that 200-day moving average, so it's kind of a bit of an opportunity. I'd agree with Ben. Yeah, it's a buy. A buy at these levels, and still not far off a five-year high. Yeah. But as you say, um, PE is still pretty reasonable. Um, let's just recheck the uh, the first five stocks. Uh, Aristocrat, a buy from both uh, Mark and Ben. Marley Spoon, um, um, a weak hold, I think it was from yeah. you, Ben, was yeah. it? Getting uh, weaker by the second. Uh, getting weaker. <laughs> <laughs> a firm no from Mark. Um, Archer Materials, um, another a weak hold from Ben. Um, uh, Mark is saying, look, if you're a trader, might be a trading stock and a trading buy at these levels. Um, Lithium Australia, a sell from uh, from Ben, um, a best of spec buy from Mark. Centuria Industrial, a yes from Mark, a hold from Ben, prefers Goodman. Um, uh, Mark prefers Centuria Industrial um, over Goodman. And Nick Scarley, a buy from both of them. Uh, here on the call, we've been following our own fantasy for portfolio since uh, the 1st of July last year. Uh, any stocks that get two ticks like Aristocrat um, and Nick Scarley go into the portfolio. If they come up again and get uh, a buy or a hold, they stay in. If they get a no, they go out of it. Uh, for the week, uh, the fantasy portfolio is up 3.9% for the month, uh, down 5.6%. Um, and uh, since the 1st of July uh, 2021, up 4.63% since the 1st of July 2020, up 41%. Um, and before we get to our next five stocks, a bit of an update on the calls portfolio. On the 1st of March, we'll be launching a brand new portfolio, a live fund that is high conviction, 
with a much smaller basket of stock. So how's it going to work? Well, we'll still be taking your request to covering and covering 11 stocks a day like we normally do and asking our guests for a buy, hold or sell on them. So consider that the first filter. Now we get into the second one. If the stocks get a unanimous buy or sell recommendation, they go through to a new investment committee, which will meet monthly, and we will take you inside that committee. They'll decide whether to add or remove stocks from the fantasy portfolio, including changing weightings. And the whole point of this is to give you more of an insight into how the experts are thinking, how they think about uh, portfolio construction um, and reweighting. So each month, there'll be an extra edition of the call where we take you inside the investment committee's meeting and you'll see how the fund is tweaked. Now, if the committee needs more information to make a decision on a particular company, we might get the chief executive of that company in to answer the investment committee's uh, questions. So uh, it's gonna be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to this. It takes the call to a different level, I reckon. So keep sending in your request. The current portfolio will stay as it is till the end of February. Then we'll unveil our new initial fund on the 1st of March. At CMC, we've been in the game for a while, and although a lot of things have changed, our mentality hasn't. We aim to give experienced traders the best trading experience, like our expert platform with its second-to-none trading tools, plus our pricing is completely transparent. That's why people who've been trading for a long time stay with us for a long time. So if you're serious about trading, switch to the market leader trusted for over 30 years. Trade CFDs your way at cmcmarkets.com. You don't own underlying assets. Consider relevant PDS and TMD or information memorandum for CMC Pro accounts at our website. Um, in this second half of the call, we're going to be taking a look at ANZ, John's Ling Group, Iron Gate, High Pages, and Red Bank Copper. So a real mix there. Let's kick it off, Mark, with uh, Rebecca wants a view on uh, ANZ. I noticed JP Morgan and both UPS have updated their recommendations in the last week or so. They like ANZ amongst the big four. What about you? Look, I'm not a, just to pre, uh, preface, I, I'm not a fan of the big four generally, um, particularly yeah. with, well, I sort of much more favour Macquarie, particularly with the pullback yep. in the market at the moment. But we often obviously get asked, you know, which of the big four, etc. Um, so I asked our research guys about this because it's not something I generally have in most of my clients' portfolios. Um, look, they, they do have, the housing market obviously is very hot at the moment. Um, there's been a lot of those tree changes because of COVID, et cetera, um, yep. which does concern me because those property, you know, where those people's are people are moving to, those property markets can be quite a liquid when, if, when and if the market turns around. Um, it's not quite like Sydney. I think there's sort of grade through A, a through E in a lot of the rural property markets are, you know, Ds. And right. sometimes it'll take quite a long time to... Um, right. To, to get out, so but, the, but ANZ's business uh, is is probably out of the big four is has the most business lending, uh, so I guess we quite like that um, from a price standpoint. It's at the bottom of the range as well. Financials should do well uh, with rising interest rates. Um, business lending was up thirteen percent uh, in the last on the last figures versus only eight percent. Um, I think it was a quarter of numbers uh, for housing. So obviously there's growth there. Look, the, the reason I'm not a massive fan of the big four, you've got, you've got so many fintechs just nibbling yeah. at all of their high margin um, products. Uh, they're, you know, they're really becoming just mortgage. Um, 
you know, mortgage lenders really overall. I'm a massive fan of the four pillars, um, having been a bond trader through the GFC. I think that's what salvaged our economy, having that four pillar system. Yeah. So look, I don't, I, I no, agree with the, uh, you know, I, I agree with the four pillars uh, as, a, as a general policy, but um, yeah, look, I, I guess I'd be, we'd be leaning towards these guys uh, on the back of the business lending, because I think that uh, it'll benefit from reopening, etc. and um, yeah, and look, and there again, it's a margin of safety sort of stock as well, a decent yield, um, and we'll uh, they obviously they'll get some decent mar- you know improvements on margins with higher rates. So, yes or no? Oh, look, I, I you don't I, like the big four. I don't like the big four, but right. look, if, if I'm going to buy a big four, I buy yeah, we'd be buying A and Z, but it, but it, there's no reason you wouldn't hold it at the moment either. Okay. I'm not saying sell. Ben, um, I'll go hold. Um, right. It looks pretty cheap. It's it's trading on like 11 and a half times next year's earnings, and it's on a yield of 5.8% um, fully frank. Yeah, that's six six month low too. Yeah, so. you're getting a 9% gross yield if you're in a self-managed super fund in zero tax. Um, so, mm. I, you know, I think for the right people, there is an attraction there because it, yeah. it is stable. Um, the income's nice. Completely agree around, um, you know, that the high margin parts of these businesses are just going to get picked off. And... ANZ's not the bank I'd go for just because I think, you know, they've had a lot of tech issues. Um, You know, we've heard that mortgage brokers have basically given up on trying to get applications approved because they're taking so long. CBA and Macquarie increasingly are dominating this space because the tech's so good. Um, And so they've probably got quite a lot of money Mm. that they might need to spend to get that up to speed. So, you know, like net interest margins are under pressure for the banks. You saw Westpac's numbers out today. They fell by another eight basis points. It is really competitive out there. It's yeah. not easy to grow your margins, but rising interest rates should be good for them. So there's enough there for me to say a hold. Okay, interesting. We on Monday we had Resimat came up. The uh, yeah uh, again in that financial space, but more in the um, uh, uh, providing mortgage lending to uh, to mortgage brokers. Uh, Mathan. Uh, Summer Sundaram uh, had Resimac as a sell, yep. uh, and CBA as a raging sell. Okay, so yeah. <laughs> interesting. Yeah. He he reckons all the banks are just going to get smashed. I don't know about that. I mean, but, I'm I, I'm a big believer that things like you know I think afterpay money is going to really shake up the financial right. system, particularly in that millennial sort of base. Yeah. they've got two million customers who are using them every yeah. month. That. They could become the bank and, of choice. And a, and a lot of merchants. And a lot of merchants. And we've seen what Square has done with Square Cash App. Yep. There's 60 million Americans who use that as their bank account now. So right. disruption is coming, but yeah, I, I'm not sure about... A raging sell. No. no. Okay. All I right. Think there's, there's quality there. I, I, very well managed. That They've got All the right. best management team. Good. Um, now, Ben, Ben, another Ben, wants to view on John's Ling Group. Uh, particularly post their recent acquisition. This is a, a property business, but um, specialises, and it's Victorian based, I think, mm. um, is a, a specialises in insurance um, um, sort of catch up. So if your house blows down, you put an insurance claim in, John Ling Group will come and fix up there. The, the, uh, the property reconstruction people for a lot of insurance companies and they bought a similar business in the US to yeah. expand. It's been a good business. It's been a business. really good business. Yeah, and you can see why. Like, um, you know, they've got really good relationships with those insurers and that's probably the most important thing for this company um, is, is c- continuing those relationships. 
these things are kind of non-discretionary and you know if someone's um, tap bursts and a whole lot of damage is done to their apartment yeah. that they call up the insurance company and these guys come out and fix it and there's a, a margin that's applied to that it's a pretty good business the, it is trading on 28 times next year's earnings which I'd say is up there for a business of this style so that's a good looking chart isn't it really good <laughs> um, and the only thing I'd just be a bit careful with this it has proven to be a bit of a cyclical business so right. they had the you know, they had the, we had the bushfires, which were still creating huge amounts of work for them well into 2021. And we had all the floods as well, of course. So, you know, they are, sounds weird, but they, they are sort of reliant on natural, you know, these big one-off natural disasters yep. creates a lot of work for them. And so climate change could work in their favour. So you could look at that both ways, because mm. they're probably going to, they'll keep becoming more frequent, you'd think. Um, mm. But they also have come off a couple of years where there's been some pretty big ones yeah. occur in the country. For a little property group though, a seven, six bagger in three years. Pretty amazing. It's incredible. Yeah, isn't it? yeah. I've, I've gone a hold, Koshi. I, I, I yeah. think um, it's run hard. The valuation does look sort of full. And right. in terms of that US acquisition Ben was asking about, I think it's too early to know. You know, right. you, you've got to start looking at the numbers You've been told what it looks like before they bought it, but you actually want to see it once it comes through into their accounts and how well they take over the management of it and that kind yeah. of thing. And the fact that it's their first... It's always a bit of a... Oh, way into it? Yeah, I think so. But they, they have run a very successful business here, but we have seen right. a lot of Australian companies think that they can replicate that in yep. America and yep. a lot have failed doing yep. it. So, you know, you, it's great to see companies having a crack and having a go, but it is maybe just a little bit of a danger period. Sure. Mark? Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree with that last part there. The, um, you know, the success rate of Australian businesses going and trying to apply the business model to the US is very, very checkered. And, uh, we and did talk a, about Boral this week too. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, gravestones along that road. So, um, but look, this is one where we have, we've had before. We we basically recommended a pairs trade uh, because they're the um, as a way to hedge an insurer against you know. So not, what do you not, mean by that? Just so we bought explain. we bought we bought this along with QBE at the same ah. time about a year ago. So right. basically, we were the the uh, the theory was that um, essentially that insurance companies weren't pricing their. Um, yeah weren't pricing their risk anywhere near uh, good enough with the floods and the um, and the, fi- uh, the bushfires. So we went hunting around for, and this is what we came up with, it was a QBE, uh, a JLG, uh, as a, basically as a pairs trade. So we, we did not expect to make as much as we did out of JLG. It was obviously a much a smaller um, proportion. I think it was sort of, you know, we're 70-30 sort of split. Um, yep. But we, you know, we liked the insurers, but obviously that was a really deep, um, you know, deep problem with them not pricing that um, that global warming risk. So that was you know, we we were out quite a while ago. I think somewhere around the in the mid sixes or maybe high sixes or something like that. We didn't probably expect it to run this hard. I think Ben's exactly right. The, the, with with a PE at this at these you know very lofty hides, um, I'd be very much a bit of a wait and see. Um, and look, we you know. But if it pulls back somewhere towards the 200-day moving average, and they manage to um, get this acquisition to go okay, then we'd probably be putting that that right. that pairs trade back on. So yeah, so it's um, not at the moment. Yeah, probably not at the moment. It's it's, yeah. it's a little bit. We're, we're sort of trying to avoid stuff with with uh, where the where the PE basically 
means that absolutely nothing can go wrong. Um, just you know, okay. while the market's a bit jittery. Okay, uh, that's an interesting one. You pair it up with another stock, and I just took a look at the QBE um, chart over one and three years. Thank God you had John Zling in there too, yeah. didn't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, we yeah we thought QBE was a bit of for you. was a bit was a bit of a risk. So. And that, and that was what we saw as the major business risk. So. All right. Um, Zenzo via Twitter wants a view on IronGate, a, a real estate investment trust that's been pretty popular uh, over the last year or so. We've got a lot of people trying to, uh, uh, to take into it. The latest one is uh, Charter Hall have put in um, a buyout offer. Just the latest? Yeah, so that obviously popped the other day, which, I mean, on the 31st of January, you would have been extraordinarily happy to see your stock up um, yeah. from, a, you know, from about 170 or whatever it was, or one, 160 to 186. Saved, so Saved a few portfolios. Uh, it was a, yeah, so absolutely. Horrible January. Um, I think that'll probably, you know, with a market that's a little bit nervous, would probably mean that, it, um, that I would assume that I would, they would accept that. Um, it look it, it looks like a fairly solid business. We we are much more um, enthusiastic about the industrial um, rate space more than anything, um, and we we do worry about um, you know uh, sort of housing and, and in the, that real estate space basically. So uh, look, if you've if you've had it, great. You know you've, you've had it. You've had a winner in a in a market that's been very much under pressure. Um, you hold it. I, I would expect. That you know, there doesn't seem to be too much you know movement in this space necessarily. So I don't know whether there's going to be a counter bid or whatever. The, the price it's trading underneath the price um, yep. that's been offered, so that would suggest that they're not expecting another bid. Dollar ninety or something. Yeah. yeah so um, look, you can either take your money and run if something gets really cheap in the meantime. Um, and there is a few bargains out there at the moment, I suppose. So yeah, or you can just you just accept the offer, I, I suppose. Okay. Ben. Yeah, I, I, it's probably a hold to a sell. I, I'd agree. You know, it's that uh, 360 Capital made two bids. They're the largest yes. shareholder in this. Um, they were at a dollar seventy-two. Charter Hall's come out. It looks like over the top with a knockout sort of yep. bid. So I'd, I'd also be very surprised. So it, it really comes down. It's a binary equation now. You know, do the parties walk, and therefore you don't want to be there because it will come right off. Or yep. Do you hang around for another four cents? You know, maybe they can get a squeeze a couple more cents out of Charter Hall to get it over the line, but I don't think it's going to be a lot more. So, um, hold. But yeah, I'd agree. Like, there's there's some pretty good buys out there at the moment in the market with what's happened, and maybe thinking about cycling back into something else. Right. Okay. In that sector, what would you cycle back into? Um, I like Dexas at the moment. Yeah, yeah which is out of favour, you yeah. know, and it's it's office property's probably been an area where um, we all know, you know, still the walking, this is my first time back in the CBD today and it's still yep. pretty empty. Uh, yep. <laughs> um, so you can understand, but like we, I mean, Sydney Airport as an example is one of our largest holdings and it, I, I, I still think the assets have got tremendous value. We've seen um, quite a few office properties actually trade above book value. And yep. um, if you look at Dexas, uh, you're paying that the NTA for the properties they own around like 11 bucks, 1080. And then they've got a, a $20 billion funds management business on top of that. And they're trading at like 1030 at the moment. Right. So I can understand why there's negativity towards office and there is gonna be some releasing at the moment, which is gonna be difficult for them. But it's it's tier one office, okay. you know, tier one tenants. And um, 
to me, it's the part of the the Reits that have really been left behind. Um, uh, and I, yeah, think I, I really liked Texas yeah. as well, actually. Okay. I couldn't agree more. And you got, you're coming into a lot of money out of Sydney Airport then. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> spending it pretty quickly as well. <laughs> 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 All right, Luke wants a view. Uh, been on High Pages. This is the software platform that matches tradies with, with customers. Yeah. I haven't looked at this. This only floated about a year ago. And... Um, I, I like the look of it. Um, I'm going to go buy. Um, okay. And, you know, the, the numbers that they had at their AGM, we haven't had an update from them um, since November. But for last year, they beat prospectus forecasts, um, pretty strong EBIT growth, strong revenue growth. We know that there's a lot of home building activity at the moment. Yep. You could see that as a positive or a negative because maybe tradies at the moment you know, they're so overwhelmed with demand that they don't need to go and advertise on high pages or respond to job advertisements. They, yeah. they keep, they, they're full as it is. So I don't know, maybe at the moment it's a bit of a negative. And we know that the lockdowns um, were tough for them because tradies couldn't move around the way that they were and, you know, people yeah. didn't want people, other people coming into their houses. So that should work itself out. But I, I just generally think the demand for tradies is going to be strong for some years to come. It's going to take time to get plumbers back from Ireland and, you know, yep. the sort of the typical labour market we had before. Founder-led business, heavily invested. Um, they reckon it's a $110 billion total addressable market and they've got about 2% of it. Um, and it's been sold off heavily and it's been sold mm. off heavily because growth stocks have all been sold off and it's yep. been completely indiscriminate. It doesn't, you look at that and sort of think, oh, it's been a problem, but it hasn't. And, um, and a lot of this is to me is the area where there's value out there at the moment. Um, okay. It's purely been driven by what's happened with bond markets. And um, yeah, I, I thought right. this looked pretty good. Mark? Yeah, I, yeah. look, it is a victim of the, the you know, the, the blanket selling overall. I mean, it, it's even the, um, even some of the big, you know, the, the mega cap names mm. have just been blanket sold. Yeah. Things like ASX, which should, you know, volumes are up heavily and they, they've, yeah. they've dropped as well. Like, um, Airtasker had a re- um, an update recently, which was which was really positive and well received by the market as well. Um, yeah, look, there's I can't see too much. Their subscription um, revenues or their um, subscriptions have gone up about nineteen or twenty percent as well. There's been a pretty significant pullback, um, and look, this is old support here as well around this um, around this area. So look, I think you from a um, I'd probably, you know, from an, I run the active division at Macro, we'd be, you know, this would be the sort of thing we'd buy with a, you know, with a, say, a 10 to 15% stop and just trail it overall. I think this is good levels to be buying it. Um, okay. There's, no, as, as Ben said, there's nothing wrong with the business. It's just, you know, mm-hmm. everyone's just done a PE filter and growth stock yeah, filter yeah, and, yeah. and just smashed it. But they, you know, they've had reasonable results. Um, and look, in the fact that you know the the only other real sort of comparable business in the sector being Airtask has had a pretty good um, pretty good reporting as well. So, I think um, you know the the sector while while it is two companies basically is fairly favourable. So yeah, look, I, I I'd, I'd say a speculative buy here, um, okay. and just obviously you know it's um, just keep a fairly tight you know tight watch on it really overall, and just trail your stop up. But if if the panic selling stopped, I think this one will just drift back up to uh, where it was before this sell-off okay. run. Great. Uh, final stock, Diggs and Archer. Mark, one of you on Red Bank Copper. The have uh, uh, got a project in the Northern Territory, in uh, South Australia. Yeah, look, thirty million market cap. Um, it's pretty tiny. Um, I had a look through. I hadn't really 
I, yeah, wasn't really aware of this company prior to uh, getting the getting the list from you guys. Um, we tend to avoid mining exploration, just yeah. particularly something you know as fresh behind the ears as this. Um, I look, I read, you know, you can read the prospectuses and the, and the updates, but they're all, they're always designed to make you want to, oh, you know, there's there's always pretty pictures. Um, and it's interesting that, um, you know, the, the other bigger miners around that area aren't really mining copper. So yeah. they're, uh, I think, more lead and zinc. So it's, it, um, yeah, no look, it's, it's just a definite no yeah. for me. It's way too small. If you want to get involved in copper, Oz Minerals is sitting on the 200-day moving average. Sandfire's just completed their weight. There's two great companies there that, that'll take advantage of the structural yep. shortage of copper, of copper over the next two years. Um, they're in production. Um, they've got mines about to be uh, about to be opened. I mean, you've got yep. great companies at great prices right now. This, this is just not worth Why the do you risk. Need it? Yep, Ben? Yeah, it's a strong sell for me as well. Um, yeah, they, they burnt $2 million last quarter, which leaves them with $2 million in the bank. So ah. they've probably got a three months of cash flow left and that might be just enough money to drill one hole. <laughs> it is right. a Hail Mary, you know, and, and yep. if, that, if that drilling finds something, it's off to the races and happy days. But, the, the, you know, the, the, the average of that happening is it's very low probability. Okay. And if they don't find anything, they're in real trouble. Yep. They've got to come back to the market. All right, let's just recap the uh, the final five stocks. ANZ a hold from both uh, uh, from both Mark and Ben. Uh, John's Ling uh, a no from Mark, a hold from Ben. Iron a hold from both, if not going towards a, a sell. Um, both prefer Dexas as an alternative. Uh, high pages uh, a yes from Ben, a speculative um, yes from Mark. And uh, Red Banker, a no from both, basically a sell from Ben. Um, ben Clark from TMS Capital, always great to have you Thanks, in. Thanks, Koshi. Uh, good to see you. Mark Gardner from Macro, good Cheers, to have you aboard today. Takes your time. Uh, if you've got any stocks you'd like me to put to our expert panels, put them in an email to call at ausbiz.com.au or tweet us using the at TV handle. A reminder, you can find all the stocks in the calls portfolio at ausbiz.co forward slash portfolio. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.